Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to Linux in Ham Shack. My name is Richard, KB5JBV, and uh, I am here to tell you, not knowing anything about any, about the subject matter that we have from time to time has never stopped us before. Let me go ahead and introduce you. <laughs> Let me go ahead and introduce you to Russ, K5TUX, up in the Booby Mountains in Arkansas. Say hello to everybody, Russ. Hello, everybody. This is Russ, K5TUX, broadcasting from Studio 1N between the peaks in the Pine Forest of North Central Arkansas, where there's not a whole lot going on tonight except recording of episode number 71 of Linux in the Ham Shack. So thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks, everybody, in the chat room for showing up tonight. Hopefully, we'll get a few more people before the night's over. If you want to find out how to get in on the chat room and the IRC, and listen live to the program, check out our website, lhspodcast.info, for next time to get all the information there. So how are you doing, Richard? What's going on with you? Oh, I don't know. I, I figure if I ever write my autobiography, a biography, autobiography, <laughs> I think I'm having that stroke. No, you can't. That was two episodes ago. We can't do that one again. All right, so I figure if I ever write my autobiography, it will be called Maximum Verbosity. Maximum Verbosity. He, and that went real smooth a while ago, y'all. Y'all wasn't here. You should have been here watching things because I nearly called Russ Booby. <laughs> <laughs> yes, let me introduce you to Booby, K5TUX in the Russ Mountains up Arkansas. Let's see if that one makes it, makes a cut. All right. Most of so, what you say makes it. I don't know why you think I cut anything out anymore. When I say badger, it doesn't make it. Well, it can't make it yet because we haven't made the decision to make it uh, adult only, you know. Well, no, we can't do that because some ham, 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 ham. Oh, Lord, it's going to be one of those nights. We can't make it adult only because a lot of amateur radio operators are, well, they're either under the age of 18 or they've got special needs. Well, I don't mean exactly adult only, but unedited for sure. You know, no, we're not going to know because Richie says Badger. too much. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> that'd be okay. It's not like they don't, it's not like the average, you know, kid doesn't hear it at high school by the time they're eight or yeah. whatever part of school they're in when they're eight yes but i don't know how bill would be able to handle all that hate mail from the parents so because you know we're gonna send it to him in the booby mountains no he's not in booby mountains he's up there in the river valley ain't he yeah he lives in the flatland even flatter than around here oh i don't know when was the last time you was in oklahoma um, i was in oklahoma a couple of weeks ago and west west texas yeah, but Bill doesn't live in Oklahoma or West Texas. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of wondering what the heck happened up in Oklahoma because the last time I spent any time paying attention up around Oklahoma City, I got to looking around. They ain't a tree in the whole damn state. It's all grass. All grass. And Indians and casinos. So come and see us at the Choctaw Bingo Hall in Ardmore, Oklahoma. We'll be there the weekends of Thanksgiving and Christmas next year, this year. No, we'll be there Christmas Day this year. Now, I'm gambling on the fact that the world's going to end four days before that. 
Okay, enough of that. So let's see. Let's get this thing rolling before everybody leaves the chat room. <laughs> and I think Russ be having some announcements. So what do, what kind of announcement stuff you got, Russ? Nothing big. I just want to get through a couple of these things. The first one is one I mentioned last episode, and that's that we have an Android app now. You can go to the website over at blacksparrowmedia.net to find out where to get the Android app for your phone. You can use that app to see all of our Twitter content, our Facebook page, information about the show, all our recent episodes, posts on the website. And you can even listen to the live broadcast using your Android phone from the application. So anybody who's got an Android phone, go out and download the app. It's free, and we'd like to see you all use it. That will be turned into an iPhone app pretty soon, as soon as I get around to it. I've just been kind of lazy. That's it for that, and I know, Richard, you haven't tried it because you don't have an Android or an iPhone yet, but you will someday. Uh, well, I may be Android, but I ain't have no iPhone. No, no. I know that Apple's on their way out. You do? You know this for a fact? I have this on good authority. From? The, uh, the Apple sauce companies of the United States. I see. They're fixing to take the, the sledgematic to the ever, ever one of them fruit filled computers they can find. Bottle that crap up and, and serve it. Even better. I don't know. Never mind. They're going to make a fully synthetic Steve Jobs to take over where the real one left off. Yeah, something like that. So before I go on to the next couple of things that I have here on my list, do you have anything to announce? No, not really, because I've been kind of busy doing other things, uh, trying to seek employment, put things together. We're within, we're within the window where, uh, Grand Spawn will finish gestation here in a few weeks and just things have been really generally weird here. So no, at the moment, I really don't have any announcements that would be worth putting on this episode because they happened this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that might not be good. I'm trying to get these out a little faster than normal, but this week might be a tough one. That's right. I need something. It's at least two weeks out. Okay. We did have a mention from, well, I got an email a little while back from a listener who said he'd be interested in being an ambassador for us and said he's in the North Georgia area, somewhere around Athens and or Dalton, places like that, and that he will be attending the Dalton Ham Fest in Dalton, Georgia, which is on February 25th, if I remember correctly from the website. You can find out about the Dalton Ham Fest if you happen to be in the Georgia area or willing to go to the North Georgia area at whiskey4deltaromeocharlie.com, w4drc.com. And what I'm hoping to do is to get the gentleman that I can't remember the name of because I don't have my email up. So you say he's in North Georgia. North uh, Georgia. That would be Nojo. Nojo, that's right. Famous borough of Atlanta, Nojo. Nojo. Okay, that would be K4RJJ, Ronnie. K4RJJ. And 
Yes. So I'm going to get in contact with the folks down there at the Dalton Ham Fest and see if they still have exhibitor space. And if they do, I'm going to send Ronnie over there to be our ambassador and represent Linux and the Ham Shack at the Dalton Ham Fest. So there will be some representation down there, if at all possible. And if you can make it down to the Hampton, uh, Hampton, yeah, if you can make it down to the Dalton Ham Fest in Georgia, February 25th, please do so. And uh, tell Ronnie hello. And that's at w4drc.com once again. So, so all the hams are festering down in, down in Nojo. Well, wait a minute. I guess that'd be north of here. Kind of north, northish. They're festering. Maybe it's due east. Who knows? Y'all go down to Dalton, Georgia. Wait a minute. There's a place that makes carpets there. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. 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 Y'all going down to <laughs> to the Dalton, Georgia Ham Fest down in Dalton, Georgia, and maybe you'll end up uh, seeing that woman, that uh, that old woman that talks funny that's on the Food Network all the dang time, and maybe she'll make you something because some of her stuff's good, but most of it she screws right up. So y'all going down... <laughs> What's her name? Paula Dean. Yeah, Paula Dean. Y'all go on down to Dalton, Georgia. Uh, y'all visit, visit with the, the folks down there and, uh, come by the booth, which is probably going to be there, but don't expect Russ or I to autograph anything because, because Dalton is a long way for us, but it's close for Ron. It'll have to go priority mail. Yeah. Put on by the W4 DRC club, I think. I don't know. Stay tuned to the website anyway, and I'll have future updates on anything that we're going to be able to do down there in Dalton. And y'all make sure you add a www to the w4drc.com because otherwise it tells you that uh, the server's too busy. So what else we got, Russ? I got a phone call on the Linux in the Hamshack dial-in line, which, by the way, is 909-LHS-SHOW. From Elon Rabinovich, who is one of the organizers of the SCALE conference out there in California, which is coming up real soon now. It's uh, January 21? No, January 20th to the 22nd in San... No, used to be in San Diego, now in Los Angeles. If you are going to be uh, out in California sometime around January 20th to the 22nd. You might want to check out the South California Linux Expo number 10. You can find information about it at www.socallinuxexpo.org stroke scale10x. And that information will be in the show notes, so I don't have to spell it out phonetically. And I am looking for anybody who might be willing to be an ambassador for us out there at Scale10x. If you are interested and can be in Los Angeles on those dates, let me know. And I will contact the organizers and get some booth space and all of that. And we will have a presence out there in Southern California. If not, then I guess we won't. If you can, please email me real soon. Info at lhspodcast.info. He expected me to say something witty, so I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> just another well, case of Richard screwing huh? with just another case of Richard screwing with me. 
there you have it. Okay, so we went from Nojo to Soko, and we're going to scale. Y'all go on down to scale. Uh, uh, make sure that you cover up with plenty of lotion before you get there. And in all seriousness, yes, if uh, if you're interested in becoming an ambassador for uh, for scale, ten well, whatever it is, not for scale uh, at scale for us. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, if you want, if you want to do the damn thing, y'all, uh, y'all get in touch with us. I know there's a lot of folks out in California that, are, uh, probably listen to us a lot and wouldn't mind hanging out down there for a little bit. So, uh, get in touch with us, send us an email. I would probably not know so much, but that's okay. So anyway, what else? Uh, <laughs> just get the email to us as soon as you again. can. He's confused again. I'm not confused. You're confused. That's what I'm saying. I do my best work that way. Okay. And a little bit further off in March is the Northeast Linux Fest, and I don't know if we'll have anybody who's going to be around in that area, although I do know a few people who might be interested in representing us out in Worcester, March 17th. So if you're around Worcester, Massachusetts, or can get there on March 17th, check out the Northeast Linux Fest. This is put together by Jonathan Netto guy who did frostbite systems and all of that good stuff he organized this event last year and i guess it was pretty successful so if you get a chance to go up to worcester for the second annual northeast linux fest give that a shot and check out the website at lhs podcast on info again and if we're going to have any kind of representation or an ambassador up there for march 17th of this year we will let everybody know and if you're interested in being an ambassador for us up there as well as uh for scale or and for scale or down in Dalton or whatever, please email us as soon as you can. I think that's all I've got for announcements, unless you got something else, which you already said you didn't, so I guess you don't. I could make something up. Well, if you want to make something up, go for it. I could. Okay. Mm. No, nah, I don't think I will. Hang it. All right. So, uh, yeah. And when you go, when you see Jonathan out there, go ahead and try and pronounce his last name because we know Richard is like a, a, a serious, serious, failure at that so um <laughs> oh sorry i just noticed that i got a a like on a jab at uh baby mama anyway so uh yeah <laughs> get off of facebook while we're trying to podcast <laughs> yeah yeah i like I, i'll it. shut your computer down i will uh, huh? <laughs> That's no trick. The trick is keeping them running. <laughs> okay, I think that's probably just about enough. And y'all probably need to listen to some music. And when we come back, Russ is going to like talk all smart and, and, and stuff. Yeah, he almost said it again. We'll be right back.
Okay, kids, and we're back. All righty. Uh, Russ is going to speak intelligently about something this time, so y'all don't have to listen to my inane chatter. Inane chatter. We're going, we're going to get Russ to talk about some IPv6, whatever. I don't know what that is. I'm wondering if it's going to replace Viagra or what's going to go on with it. So what's going on with IPv6, Russ? Now, surely you know a little bit about IPv6. Is it hormone replacement therapy? Okay, assuming that it's not hormone replacement therapy. <laughs> you, you must have. You haven't checked into it much. <laughs> you haven't, but you do know what it is, right? Right. It makes the hair grow back on your knuckles. <laughs> okay. Now, if I can get you to be serious for three seconds, yes, you know something about IPv6? Uh, yes, I know why you would, what you use it for, but I don't know how you use it because I never could. Okay. Well, the thing of it is there's a couple of things I wanted to bring up about IPv6. Basically, I want to encourage people to use or set up IPv6 wherever possible with the understanding that there are a lot of internet service providers and applications and distributions, and many other things out there on the Internet that do not yet support IPv6. I've come to believe that IPv6 is going to be the most slowly adopted standard in the history of technology. However, for myself, I'm being as proactive as I can about IPv6, because for anybody who's followed networking at all, they've realized that the main pool of IP, IPv4 addresses has been distributed to what are called the RIRs, which are the regional internet registries, folks like Aaron and RipeNet and APNIC, and those places that throughout the world give out IPv4 addresses to customers, service providers, and so on. So that means there are literally no more IP addresses to assign to the RIRs. Now that doesn't mean there are no IPv4 addresses because there are. You can go on the web and search Google and find out that in places, including the United States, there are still ways to get IPv4 addresses, but because they are in such demand, if you as a person wanted to get your own block of addresses, you couldn't because, well, you could under certain circumstances, but the chances are you're going to be charged for them, and who wants to pay for anything these days, right? So, (laughs) So the wave of the future that has been coming since, like, 1996 
is IPv6. That's sort of the next generation of the Internet. Don't ask about where IPv5 went. It's just gone. Anyway, IPv6 is the next version of the Internet. It's actually here now. If you're using a Linux distribution on your PC or if you have a modern Windows distribution or Mac OS, then your device supports IPv6. And as a matter of fact, IPv6 is the default stack for Linux. And I'm not sure about Windows or Mac OS, but since Mac OS is based on free FreeBSD or BSD of some kind, I believe it's the default stack the default IP stack as well. So that means if you can enable it and you can find a way to get your packets to the IPv6 internet, they will be default over your normal IPv4 addressing. This doesn't really get you anything right now, but it is a way to be proactive about the future if you can do it. The biggest problem is that a lot of ISPs are not supporting IPv6 yet. They have not made the migration themselves, so they can't give out IPv6 natively to customers. If I remember correctly, at least Comcast has support for IPv6. So if you're a Comcast subscriber and you have IPv6-capable devices, then you can get on the IPv6 Internet. If you're not a Comcast subscriber and your ISP doesn't provide IPv6 access, you can still get access to the IPv6 Internet using a tunnel broker. In the United States and around the world, there are several tunnel brokers, but there are three that are sort of big here, and those are 6XS, S-I-X-X-S dot com. There's Freenet6, which I believe is at Freenet6.com. And then there's Hurricane Electric, which, if I remember correctly, is at he.net. And I suggest that if you're going to use a tunnel broker, you use Hurricane Electric because they have a full web portal to their IPv6 access, and it's really easy to get set up. They even have support for dynamic routing protocols like BGP, if you know what that is. But even if you don't, they can support IPv6 on your little home network, and they even provide you with the IPv6 address space that you'll need. And if I remember correctly, they can even provide you IPv6 tunnels for dynamic IP addresses so that even if you have like a dial-up modem for your DSL or a dynamic address on your cable modem, you can still use Hurricane Electric as a tunnel broker so that you can encapsulate IPv6 in your normal IPv4 traffic. Uh, I just I want to make it plain that this is sort of a 10,000-foot overview and that I'm not going to get into the, uh, the meat and potatoes of how to set up IPv6 on your network. One thing you will notice, though, is that if you set up an IPv6 tunnel with he.net and go through all of their tutorials and their uh, very handy setup parameters... It's really easy to work with their tools. They have a lot of um, benefits. It's all free. And when you're done, you will have a working IPv6 setup. You'll have your own set of IP, IP addresses uh, delegated, delegated to you from Hurricane Electric. 
and uh, you'll get to participate in the future of the Internet. Now, that probably doesn't mean a lot to people who don't care about these things, but if you do and you want to be a little proactive about stuff, I recommend trying it out, using he.net, and seeing where it takes you. Uh, I've recently got it working for my company, and I've been enjoying the hell out of it, to be honest. So I sort of want to bring it to the people where possible, and I hope that more companies will become IPv6 enabled uh, very soon. So that's my quick little overview of IPv6 and some of the benefits you might see from it, mostly in your proactivity and some of the detractor or some of the bad points being that a lot of people haven't implemented it yet. But if you want to be nerdy, get your geek cred and be a little bit ahead of the curve, definitely try it out. One thing you'll find out for sure is that it's a lot easier and far less scary than it might seem at first. So I definitely recommend you try it if you can. I think that's all I wanted to say about that. So unless you have some comments, or unless anyone in the chat room has some comments, we can he probably He hates it when I get really quiet. Because he doesn't know if I'm sitting here playing the game of uh, something. Chat, chatting on or, Facebook? Or talking to people on Facebook. Yeah, I got, yeah. I got me a couple of hotties over there. You just don't know. No. I know. I just feel like I'm talking to thin air and nobody's paying any attention to me and that it could be totally worthless that I have anything to say. So. No, I'm, I, they're talking about it in the chat room and I know that there'll be folks out there that understand. Uh, you have to remember that Richard is simple, 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 simple. If I can get my email over a string in a can, I probably would do it because I'm simple. And actually I really haven't spent a whole lot of time. Thinking about IPv6, I think I tried to set it up on my home network at one point and it didn't work out and total failure. But, uh, let me, let me ask you this because I know somebody in the audience is going to be wanting to know other than the technology of the future. Are there any other benefits to IPv6? Well, see, that's the biggest problem with IPv6 right now is all of the companies that would maybe benefit by rolling it out and not having to deal with the lack of IPv4 space, don't do it. So there really isn't any benefit to having IPv6 right now, except for the fact that you're kind of headed towards the future and you're ahead of the curve, even of the large Internet players who aren't doing it yet. So I, I don't know. I mean, oh. I mean, it's definitely geek cred worthy. <laughs> well, I mean, I, and I'll have to go back and re-examine it. Like I said, I attempted one time to, cause I've had so many networking issues since, I don't know, Johnny Jackalope, maybe, uh, so many network problems as far as machines not being able to talk to each other, hear each other, that kind of stuff. Of course, I'm a wuss and I like, uh, using Samba, but, uh, I will have to go back and check that out myself. Uh, anybody in the chat room got any questions? See, y'all all talking over my head. Y'all forget that I am not a system administrator. I am not a, I ain't none of this stuff. I just, uh, a dumb old feller down here in Texas. One thing that's really nice about IPv6 though is that it has the idea of what's called neighbor discovery, which is a pro, it, it's built into the IPv6 protocol. And if you set up your network correctly, basically what happens is you simply address, like if you have a router on the edge of your network, like a DSL modem or a cable modem that's IPv6 compatible, 
Uh-huh. All you do is on the land side, which should be a familiar concept to anyone who has this kind of setup, you set up an IPv6 address, but you don't set up the address. You just set up the subnet of the address, you know, which can be, you know, whatever it is. I don't want to get into the real technical details about it. But as soon as you set up that subnet on that particular device, then any IPv6 enabled device that's connected to that same network will be automatically configured with an IPv6 address and a route and it will just work. Well, see, now that's one of the advantages over and above that I was asking about earlier. Well, the, the concept of neighbor discovery and, and auto configuration is a very cool part of IPv6. You kind of have to get the idea ahead of time to know sort of how cool it is, but it's one of those things that once you understand it, it's super nice. And some people see it as a bad point, actually, because it's sort of throwing away part of the network address space. But if anyone has studied or even looked into a little bit about IPv6, you realize that the number of addresses is so amazingly huge that it really doesn't matter that you're sort of throwing away address space that you'll never use. But the auto configure is a nice feature. Some people like it, some people don't. It's kind of a matter of taste, but I personally think it's a cool feature. Did I turn the page on the newspaper too loud? <laughs> put down your paper, put down your freaking Facebook, <laughs> put down your tea, put down your damn guitar and join the, join the program. Okay. No, actually, I was just <laughs> paging my spiral so I could write some of this stuff down. <laughs> you flip, you oh can quit God. flipping through that pay, Playboy now and actually start paying attention. You stopped like you thought, damn, he's reading a book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that. No, 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 no. You ain't got to worry about that. Books are on boycott till I can afford a Kindle. I see. Uh, I was I was telling Cheryl that I was going to buy a Kindle Fire until I discovered that they don't have Bluetooth support, so I'm going to well, wait for that. Well, there you go. There you go. Maybe I should have brought that up as a topic. Anyway, so that's uh, that's my little 10,000-foot overview of IPv6. That's, well, send, well, go on over to the pad and make a new pad and put that up at the top. Well, yeah, I will for the next episode. We'll talk about while the Kindle or something. While you're thinking about it. While I'm thinking about it. No, I can't do that. Why not? I'll have to forget that you know, otherwise it's too easy. Ah, uh, Kindle Fire. I just wanted one of them little $79 jobs. <laughs> I, mean, I kind of gather you can get them on clearance for a lot less than that. Yeah, well, I'll have to find out where that's happening and get, I will have to get the, the uh, dedication, the sale and the money all together at the same time. It's a matter of building from the ground up. Okay. We've been going about 16 minutes now. Would you like to take a break or you want to continue on? Please take a break. Please take a break. (laughs) Okay, well, why don't we take a break, listen to some music, and we'll come back with Richard's segment, which sounds really very interesting, and I've actually done something about it since he posted it in the Etherpad. So I'm very much looking forward to what he has to say about it. We'll wrap up. Because I did it early enough that he could go check it out. I didn't just spring it on him at the last minute, folks. That's right. I actually checked it out a little bit earlier. So we'll do that. We'll hear what Richard has to say. We'll listen to some feedback after the break. So sit tight. We'll come back in a few. They gave me a test to make me the best that I could be. 
They knew all along that there was something wrong with me. We picked out a spot and made a hole. While you're in glass and stainless steel. Now I can imagine how I feel. Got a new heart. Blood on the bed, but here in my head I'm feeling fine. It's easy to sleep when I'm not buzzing all the time. So funny the way I was before. Once I was blind, but now I see. Once I was him, but now he's me. Okay, and we're back. Now, we're going to do a marathon on this end, kids, because we got to get a whole segment in, then we got a couple of feedbacks, and then we're going to head on down the road. So uh, before we get to the feedback and stuff, I'd like you to take a moment and wonder if this is just the only universe there is or if there are other universes besides the one you feel that you are a part of. Because with advancements in string theory and brain theory and uh, other multiple universe theories that have come out, recently you have to ask yourself is there are is there only the one universe that you perceive or are there many universes and even when you ask yourself that question only one of you is going to be right so let's talk about high-speed multimedia something that's been uh, gaining a little speed here in texas boy everybody had a brain fart apparently um one of the things that's been gaining popularity down here in texas has come something called high-speed multimedia and high-speed multimedia is uh, implement- implementation of wireless data networks over amateur radio frequencies using commercial off-the-shelf hardware like 802.11 access points and D-Star equipment. And uh, licensed amateur radio operators can use amplifiers and specialized antennas and all that good stuff on these 802.11 on this 802.11 equipment because some of the channels fall in one of our bands. A lot of folks didn't know that. I kind of figured that's what was going on. But it turns out that like the first six channels 
up on one of these 2.4 gigahertz routers happens to end up in the ham bands. In fact, there's more than six, but we're going the first thing I read about, read about it was six channels. There's also some up in the five centimeter band or up around five gigahertz, 5.6, 5.7, up around there. Y'all, uh, try not, try to bear with me because I read badly and I'm reading some of this stuff. Even though I read it earlier today, I just want to make sure I get it right. Uh, the idea behind this is the use of 900 megahertz, 2.4 gigahertz, 3.4 gigahertz, and 5.8 gigahertz amateur radio bands under the U.S. FCC Part 97 rules instead of the Part 15 rules, which we can do because we're licensed. Yeah, buddy. This enables amateur radio operators to legally use higher output power for wireless devices and allows for longer-range communications. Such communications can be used to assist in emergency communications and disaster relief operations and in everyday amateur radio communications. What this boils down to, kids, is that you can take these routers, set up a local wireless network like you would set up in your house, but because we can use higher power and uh, higher gain antennas, and all the things that we amateur radio operators do so well, we can turn this into a broader network and even extend the network so that it reaches way further than that 75 or 100 feet that your router in your house uh, will communicate back and forth with your laptop. Now, why would this be useful? A lot of you, this turned into resonant frequency, the amateur radio podcast, didn't it? Um, why, so why would this be useful? Well, a lot of the stuff we do nowadays, sending messages and uh, doing digital voice, buying special radios to do digital voice, ATV, in the case of ATV, we can send uh, fast scan TV signals, which is kind of like regular TV. Uh, we use packet for file transfers and stuff like that. And all this stuff... If we're using high-speed multimedia, we can do it the same way we do it over the Internet. And one of the things, I know what some of y'all are saying, what happens if the power, if the grid goes down? Well, I was thinking today that some of us guys that have been around a while might need to rethink ourselves because it's always been about what if the cell phones go out? What if the electricity goes out? What if this goes, what if the Internet goes down? And today, with the equipment we have and the resources available to us and uh, a lot of guys out there that have pushed ahead extending the range of a lot of the stuff we use, it's not like the power, if it goes out here in where I live, is going to go out in Oklahoma and that kind of stuff. It's what we normally refer to as outside the affected area. So we can do all this stuff, file transfers. We can even set up, uh, we could probably set up a copy of WordPress and run it over. You know, right now, run it over the uh, links. Right now, what we're talking about or what most folks are doing is stuff like video chat, voice, uh, and voice over IP, instant messaging. You set up web pages that can be pulled up and that kind of stuff. You can even plug a system on the end-end to the Internet and surf the web. 
using high-speed multimedia. Even though it's one of those things that does not, is not really condoned, they try not to get, let people do that because in that case, since the internet is kind of, kind of wild at the moment and doesn't have a lot of regulation and we as amateur radio operators do, there could be stuff that comes through the link that could get people in trouble. And I understand this having run packet BBSs and stuff over the years. Now, one, one of the things I would like to stress before we go any further is that if you decide to start working towards this, one of the things that is suggested and AWRL has a whole council set up to do this kind of, to examine this kind of stuff is try not to use channel one. Because channel one on these routers is on the same frequency as AMSAT 40, Oscar AMSAT 40. It would interfere if there were a close pass. Other than that, get on there and have a bottle. I mean, IDing's not a real problem because you can uh, put that in the system, put your call sign in. Uh, one place I saw it, it said make the network, uh, SSID your call sign. I really hate that I don't mess with networking more than I do because I'm not real sure what a DDNS push request is. And maybe Russ can help me with that. But if you set that up and get it to get it to uh, do that every 10 minutes and send your call sign as ASCII text, that's another way to ID. Tell us what a DDNS push request is, Russ. I'm not sure I actually know. I know it has something to do with dynamic DNS, which is usually run by like DynDNS.org or some of the other providers that give you dynamic DNS access. It's for those people who don't have static IP addresses assigned through their ISPs. A push request? Not sure I've heard of that. I might have to look it up real quick. I could probably give you an answer in about two minutes if you want to keep on talking. Well, I can keep talking two minutes. You know, I can talk all night if I want to. All right. We'll do that. <laughs> well, one of the, one of the things we are talking about here is that, you know, these guys that are actually out there doing this stuff and a lot of this stuff seems to originate here around this part of Texas. D star, the first D star repeater was here and that kind of stuff. But, uh, the upside is that not only can you use Windows-based machines and Mac-based machine and Mac machines, but it really doesn't care if you're using BSD or Linux either. In most cases, I was reading somewhere where they were using uh, some kind of groupware as part of this. There's another thing going on that I'll talk about in a few minutes. That uh, all it requires is a browser and that kind of stuff. But you know, let's. Uh, Let's get to the most important part of this. This is digital communications with a little bit of expense as opposed to, well, let's put it this way. For those of you out there that have priced D-Star radios or have priced a, a modem that is capable of doing Pactor 2 or 3 or some of the other higher-end pieces of equipment out there, compared to that, we're talking a minimal investment. Minimal investment being that uh, one of the most common routers being used is the uh, WRT54 bunch of Linksys routers. 
there are different models with slightly different hardware considerations, but that is the one, one of the most common ones being used for this at this time. And once you take it and go over to some place like DD, DDWRT or OpenWRT, grab, grab some firmware, grab uh, one of the firmware files and upgrade the firmware in these routers. They seem to work just fine. Now, these WRT routers, the last time, I, in fact, I've got two right now I was trying to sell. Uh, I think I may end up keeping one, but they're only going from anywhere from $10 to 40 bucks on eBay right now. Now, put that up against a low-end 2-meter radio, and you can see what I'm talking about cost-wise. Antennas, most antennas for uh, 2.4 gigahertz, you can build antennas which will perform probably nearly as good as anything you can get commercially. And this also keeps the price down. Of course, you want to keep the router as close to the antenna as possible due to signal loss, signal degradation loss. On the radio side, on the audio side, or the side that would be plugged into your computer, which for all the world to me sounds like it's probably just an audio signal, that kind of degradation is a little easier to deal with because Cat5 cable, I think, is supposed to be able to carry a signal through about 300 feet before you need to go ahead and boost it or amplify it. So you want to get these things close to it, and they have antenna housings that are designed for that. You can mount the actual router in the antenna housing, and the antenna's right there. Then you feed it with uh, some power and cat cable from some other location and you're off to the races the biggest expenditure that i found while i was uh, researching this if you decide to have a cable run as far as your the rf side these things are only putting out, these things are putting out less than a watt uh, some of them are putting out 100 milliwatts some of them are putting out le- a little less some are putting out a little more but 100 milliwatts even though it is uh I've done a boatload of work on 100 milliwatts on a lot of frequencies. Uh, we're still talking about, well, all the basic tenets of amateur radio. Get it as far up in there as you can. Use as little power as possible to make the contact and that kind of stuff. But there's still people using uh, that philosophy are still getting good, solid, uh, well, good speed out of these uh, links all the way to the radio horizon. For those of y'all who aren't clear what the radio horizon is, that's going to be 10 to 15 miles most places, which is surely an improvement over the 75 or 100 feet you get out of one when it's sitting in your radio room or whatever part of the house you have your router in. Now, a few more words on this because I don't recall for sure how long I've been going. 900 megahertz, you can get transverters for 900 megahertz to, well, let's talk about transverters. Some, some of you guys may not know exactly what a transverter is. Transverter is a converter. They are more commonly referred to as up converters and down converters. Around here, mostly down converters. So with that, with that little piece of knowledge, you can get, uh, transverters take you down 900 megahertz from whatever piece of equipment you're using and operate there. Problem is that, uh, that's a 
fairly heavily used shared allocation that we have here in the U.S., and the noise floor is really high. Talking like a radio operator, if I lose some of y'all, y'all go ahead and send me an email and I'll explain it. But the noise floor is kind of high as Russ rips out the seam of his britches on the other end because I don't know why. <laughs> Was that better? Yeah, thank you so much. <clears throat> okay, you're All right, welcome. so <laughs> the noise floor is kind of high on 900 megahertz. When you step up to 1.2 gigahertz, there used to be a lot of 1.2 gigahertz uh, amateur radio equipment around. Not so much anymore. Just about the only thing I've heard of recently, and I'm sure there may be one or two others that are out there running uh, 1.2 gigahertz, is the ICOM ID-1, which is a D-Star radio. And it has a complete separate link at 128K, specifically designed for data. And that's in the list of stuff they're talking about here, even though I would consider that myself something else because it seems to me that that particular speed over there would probably keep you from doing a lot of the stuff we've been talking about. But then you get up into like the routers and stuff. In the case of 2.4 gigahertz, you have all these off-the-shelf used routers out there that can be used for this kind of application. And once again, there are several of those channels that even though it's a shared allocation fall in the 2.4 gigahertz band, and there's not a whole lot of people there other than some of these part 15 folk. So it's a good place to start if nothing else. Now, if you go up to 3.4 gigahertz, you're going to have to have a transverter again. You're either going to have to have 2.4 gigahertz uh, router that you up convert, or something to that effect. What this all boils down to is this is an opportunity for us to take commercially built equipment off the shelf that will run at a relatively high speed over the link. It has error correction and stuff in place. And all we got to do is do what we do normally, which is make it better. Now, let me put put a, lot, a couple of places on you so y'all can go check this out a little bit more. One of those is <laughs> our old friend Wikipedia because they have a huge page on this. And it goes into a little more detail in places, a little less detail in places, and that will be in the show notes. Another one is a page appears to have been written by john k8ocl entitled what is high speed micro high speed multimedia microwave radio and this will take you down through it and talk all about it Uh, there's a couple places in here where they'll try and where they try and tell you how to set it up and stuff i went over to uh, facebook and did find a few videos where people are working with this. I also found a couple places where they were talking about different stuff. This uh, antenna enclosure I was talking about earlier, which has the antenna and a place for the router to go into it and all that good stuff. Even that thing, brand new, is only about 80 bucks. And once again, you can probably get this on the air for less than the cost of a brand new two-meter radio two-meter mobile rig. Last but not least, let me uh, let me mention N500M. 
And uh, N5OM is uh, up here in Plano. I believe his name is uh, is John. Uh, I've met him once or twice, possibly. And when I look at the list of guys that are involved in, in the project out there, all these guys I've interacted with at one point or another over packet radio or some other uh, digital setup and stuff, y'all go check out N5OOM's high-speed multimedia projects, which is on the web, and I probably need to get that link into the show notes so that y'all will be able to go check it out. In Texas here, we have a microwave society. Some states have separate groups that do that kind of stuff, and some don't. M5OOM is part of that. I, I think he may be the president at the present time. But these guys have got a lot of information on that. I did not have a chance to get over to uh, to Tappers to see if they had stuff on it. But since even though they got packet in their name, it seems to me that they would have something on this. All right. So that's just enough to get you interested. And if I have the time, I'm going to go ahead and pursue this a little further. I've got a lot of other projects that are in line in front of it. Oh, yeah, the one thing I was going to talk about that I didn't talk about a while ago. <laughs> All I have to do is go find it. There's a, a new uh, setup some guys are working on, a new set of firmware. No, I didn't talk about it. Yeah, I did. A new set of firmware that they're trying out, which has added stuff to it, and instead of having to get set up using some of this stuff, the groupware stuff they were talking about and that kind of stuff. All you have to have is a web browser. Let me reemphasize, you can go over and get these firmware upgrades at uh, the two places I was talking about. And those places also have, also have tutorials on upgrading that, installing that if you've never done it before. Let me emphasize just about anything you can do on the network in your house, you should be able to do via high-speed multimedia. It might run a little slower. It might not. It kind of depends. I haven't worked with it myself yet. I am going to work with it because I am a digital guy. I ha- At this time, I have not. So y'all go out there, scan the web, check it out, in fact, let me know how you come out on this. I'd like to hear about it. That's KB5JBV at LHSpodcast.info. Or you can send it to both of us at, uh, what is it? Catch all at KB5 and something. Anyway, uh, y'all send, send us an email and let us know how you're coming along on this. I am very interested in this. So I want to hear more about it. And that other, other setup. That I was talking about is called HS, HSMM mesh MESH, and they're at HM, HSMM mesh dot dot org. Uh, it's called a mesh system, and I don't, it, it appears to be the next step on this. Okay. So, do you have any questions? I probably can't answer, Russ. As a matter of fact, I don't, because I'm sure, as you've noticed, I've been having a completely different conversation in the chat room, so I really didn't listen to a thing you said. That's okay. I read a, read a paper when you're talking, too. So <clears throat> I know. So we're even now. 
But <laughs> one thing I will say is that after you posted this in the ether or in the ether pad earlier this afternoon, I went and looked at some of the stuff like the DDWRT and the OpenWRT uh, firmwares for the commercial devices that support this uh, HSMM protocol or whatever it is. I don't know if it's a protocol, but uh, anyway, they support HSMM. So as soon as I saw the information on that, I thought, well, this is a pretty cool thing to investigate. And I went ahead and bought a WRT54GL, which supports those open firmwares. And I'm going to try this as soon as I get my hands on it. Yeah, I got two of them sitting here. I got a, got a just a uh, 54G and a 54GL. Another thing that I ran across while I was researching this, I've been needing an extra access point. Because for some reason, the router in this house, the, when you get to the far end of the house from the, from the router, it really doesn't do very well. And that, uh, open, uh, open WRT, no, the DDWRT, it does, ha- it has a lot more functions than the original firmware. And one of them is turning the uh, router into a repeater. It kind of relays between whatever's down on this end through, through it to the uh to the router that plugs into the service. So uh I'm gonna be working on that project too. Yeah, and one of the things I mentioned earlier when I was talking about IPv6 is that some of the devices that I have here don't support it, which means I can't really use them if I want to upgrade my network here at the house to IPv6. You know, all of the Linux boxes do support it and my Mac OS box does as well. And the problem is my gateway router doesn't. It's one of the legacy products from Netgear that don't support IPv6. However, if I'm not mistaken, OpenWRT and DDWRT do because they're based on the Linux kernel, so they do support IPv6. And so that will be an added bonus in getting this stuff set up. I'll be able to experience HSMM and IPv6 connectivity here at the house. So I'm definitely looking forward to getting it set up. Right. And uh, one of the things they say is uh, try and have a buddy to experiment with. I don't have that luxury. The guys that are using it here are either over on the far side of Dallas County or up in uh, Collin County. However, when I go to work on that project, I'm going to concentrate on, uh, on antenna, 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 and possibly because I am in a fair – fairly high spot here i can work the repeaters on phone up in collin county so uh maybe with uh, the right setup i'll be able to hook into the network up there we'll see what happens so if you don't have any more questions and no one in chat room seems to be interested <laughs> except bill who's having to keep up with keeping up with whatever we don't have in ethpad which is not much because mostly it's just a title in three links I guess we should probably move on to feedback and see if we can't get this thing wrapped up fairly quick. Well, that sounds good to me. And there's a, there's a comment for you in, in the chat room that is awaiting a comment from you. I guess I probably need to go up and read further up than just right where it says I'm white nurtured. All right. Well, let me, while you're doing that, let me get through this first bit of feedback. It's not really feedback. At least it wasn't feedback through the website. But on the last episode, we talked about a blog post from AC8JO, Andrew, 
I believe you found this one, Richard. Is that correct? I don't remember if it came as a pingback or a piece of email or what was going on with it, but yep, I found it. ACAJO. Okay. Well, he mentioned us on there and basically said our website was out of date and we hadn't posted anything for a while. And that was certainly true. And I hate to admit it, but it was my fault. But after he posted his, his, uh, link there, and that will be in the show notes if it wasn't in the show notes for the last episode, which it probably was because Bill's really good about these things. I responded to Andrew and I said, thank you for mentioning our podcast. It's nice to see another ham radio operator getting into using Linux for their shack computer. I'd like to let you know that I've put out the three episodes that have been backlogged. So we're up to date again. The most recent was recorded last night and should be out in the next couple of days, which it isn't, but it'll be out very soon. It's a pretty Linux-centric offering this time. I'm going to make sure to do a much better job of keeping our content coming out on schedule so far folks aren't left wondering if they've packed up and headed for Bermuda. If we've packed up and headed for Bermuda. Anyway, I'm enjoying your blog and hope to see you at the live show sometime. Take care. That was my comment. And then Andrew responded with, Russ, thanks for stopping by the blog. I saw a tweet this morning from Richard, and I see that episodes 67 through 69 have just been posted in the last two days. Glad to see you've added the new podcast, and I look forward to seeing more. And I'm particularly happy to see some of your recent topics line up with the things I'm looking at, particularly a contest logger. I currently use paper for the ARRL 10-meter contest. 73's AC8JO. P.S. I did update the post to mention the new episodes and the one you're working on. And I see that he did do that. So I just wanted to say thank you to ACAJO, Andrew, for being a listener of the program and for putting out his blog, which has actually been fairly interesting reading over the past couple of weeks. I will make sure to put out our episodes as often and on time as possible so that he's not left telling everyone that we've taken a flight to Bermuda. So anyway, uh, that's pretty much all I had on that one. Anything you want to say about it? That's right. And as, as long as he doesn't try, try to tell us how to say Ubuntu, we'll, we'll be in good shape. Yeah. And I, as, uh, I don't think I mentioned the blog site. I believe it's A-C-8-J-O Alpha Charlie 8 Juliet Oscar dot U-S Uniform Sierra. So check out his blog over there. U.S. U.S. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. Exactly. Knuckle Draggers Incorporated. It's like one of the number one picks over there. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And the only other thing I had was a comment from the website from Bert K1OIK. And we're not going to read his comment because we've been having some issues with Bert. And I'm just going to let you go ahead and. And tell everybody what's going on with Bird and what we're doing about it. Bird is like making comments and it's making Russ uncomfortable. Now imagine what they'd have to be to make Russ uncomfortable. <laughs> okay. I, I, I got a little more of the pervert thing going on. So not so, not so much here, but however, he's been leaving comments on the website, which would be in, whereas in most cases, if it was like, my personal blog or Russ's personal blog, we would either leave him on there or contact the guy and talk to him or, or something. But in the case of the podcast, because there are things that Richard said that never make it to the podcast version, 
simply because we don't think it's appropriate for us to spread something like that. We have decided to swing the banhammer on K1OIK. And if at some point he, uh, he seems to come back from wherever he's gone to, we might discuss letting him, letting him back on the thing, but the comments were kind of inappropriate. So if y'all are going to leave comments, please remember that there are, uh, amateur radio operators as young as six and seven years old out there. And some of them may be listeners to our show. They may not. Uh, there's also young computer enthusiasts out there and females on both sides. And let's just try and keep the blog itself clean, even though Richard sometimes has a little mouth on the live show. But we watch out for that. Well, did that pretty much cover it, Russ? I believe that covered it nicely. Much better than I would have done. Well, I was trying to be PC about it. And I actually thought of something else when we got started doing feedback. So this is going to be one of them cryptic, uh, the cryptic admonishments. So, uh, if you'd like to if you go with that one, I can, I can do it real quick and then I think we'll be done. All right. Good. Go for it. I got an email from Gary and for AQ. I would just like to let Gary know when he listens to this episode that, um, if he would like for us to promote a commercial product for him, he can get a hold of us via email and, um, we will see if possibly there is some way we could accommodate him. However, uh, we are not in the business of promoting commercial endeavors or at least endeavors which, uh, take something which probably really didn't cost somebody anything and they re they charge for plus the fact uh we try not to endorse people that bring other shows into their website to try and increase their credibility so uh, like i said if you wish for us to uh, promote your website on our show uh you can contact us via email and then we will discuss it so thank you for at least sending in the email, Gary. Uh, do you have any comments on that, even though you haven't seen the email? Since I haven't seen the email, I think I will reserve comment for now. Okay. Well, I'll give you the address when we get done. Okay. Uh, so you can go take a look at what I'm talking about. Sounds good. Does anybody in the chat room have anything else before we wrap it up? Because I think we're real close. We're close. Yeah, see, y'all have all kinds of conversation. I can't keep up with reading the conversation and pay attention to what we're doing. I just, the, I got that short attention span thing. I can't either. That's why I just ignored the podcast. Oh, well, I didn't hear you folding that centerfold out. <laughs> That's because I had that much respect for you. Oh, okay. If you get in them bastards autographs, send them down this way. All right. So. Since the only person chatting in the only people chatting in the chat room are Russ and A5CP, I guess it's probably time for us to go ahead and say our stuff. So with that, I really think what I probably want to say is if you want to contact me, uh, just send an email to Richard, KB5JBV at gmail.com, KB5JBV at gmail.com, or come look me up on the social networks, um, on Facebook, Twitter, Identica, Lexifartica, all this good stuff. Y'all, y'all just, uh, go over to your favorite social network, type in KB5JBV and see if it, see if it hops right up. 
Or you go over and Google me if you want to. I got like 18 million and a half doggone things out there. But um, with that, yeah, you can send me an email or contact me on the social networks. And with that, we're going to send you up to the Booby Mountains where Russ has to say. Oh, you're using my technique. That's not fair. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is Russ, K5TUX. You can find me on all the social networks out there, Twitter, Google+, Identica, Facebook, you name it, I'm probably out there. Username is J.R. Woodman. I'm K5TUX over at 73S.org, which is in 7ICE's social network site, so go check that out. You can send me an email at k5tux at lhspodcast.info. You can send both of us an email at the same time at info at lhspodcast.info. Yeah, that's the one I was thinking about. Yeah, that one. Please go ahead and give us a call over at one nine zero nine lhs show which if I remember correctly is one nine zero nine five four seven seven four six nine. I may be incorrect about that, but we'll see how it goes. Give us a call over there. Leave us an intro to the show. We'd love to have your voice commentary. He's got that damn clicking pen out. He was waiting for me to comment on it, too. (laughs) Go to lhspodcast.info. Find out all the information about the show, where you can hear us live, what IRC Air channel to visit, and where you can send a donation if you would be so inclined to help us out with the expenses of running the show. We would really appreciate it. And honestly, I think I gave out all the information we need to give out. So there will be another show in a couple of weeks. But until then, we will say good night to all of our listeners and to everyone in the chat room. And thanks for listening to episode number 71 of Linux in the Ham Shack. Visit us at our live events. Check us out on the web. And we hope to hear you next time around. Until then, this is Russ K5TUX from Between the Peaks in the Pine Forest of North Central Arkansas. And I'm going to use my own thing where I send it back to Heartland, Texas. And Richard KB5JBV will say... Well, I'm just going to say y'all all need to, to think about it that uh, I am Walter to Russ's Jeff Dunham. And I just want to remind everybody that uh, when... We have real women down here in Texas. When they play we, they don't need a strap on. We'll talk to y'all next time. <laughs>